It's really great to be here with you guys. Uh, we've been connected for seven or eight years, and it's always a blessing for us, for my wife and I, to be here in Tehachapi. And uh, I've gotten to know many of you uh, over those years, and so we're really thankful for, uh, for those friendships and relationships uh, and for your partnership in the gospel and proclaiming the gospel throughout Poland. And uh, as the video said at the end, uh, it, it ended by saying, will you join us? And I just want to say this morning that you have joined us, and I'm really thankful for that, uh, and thankful for your investment in my life personally, uh, and then also in our ministry and what God is doing. Uh, this morning, I, I'm privileged to share from God's Word with you, and along the way, I'll share some stories also with, uh, from our ministry and some, some teenagers that we're working with in Poland. Um, it's, been, it's been great to be here. We've been here since Friday, and so we kicked off the Christmas season right with the Christmas dinner, and then last night we were at the parade, uh, and so we're really thankful for that as well. And actually in Poland, uh, they, as far as the Christmas season and decorations and everything, that kind of happens right around Christmas Eve or maybe a day or two before. Uh, and then it kind of trickles on into the end, till the end of January. And so my wife and I, we've been in, in the States since uh, September, and so, of course, you know, Christmas here starts in October. So we're going to have October, November, December, and January. So we're doing pretty well. You know, a third of the year we got covered. So, um, But we're really thankful to be here. And uh, let's, as we turn to God's Word, let's uh, start in a word of prayer. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you for your Word. Thank you that we can gather here together and worship you. Um, thank you that you're near to us, uh, that we have access to, to you, that you have interest in our lives, each of us individually, that you uh, speak to us, teach us, guide us. Um, you enter yourself into, into our heart and change us from the inside, God. And we are transformed because we know you. Uh, and we're really thankful for that. And our desire is that our lives would honor you. And so this morning, God, as we're together, as we, we look into your word, uh, I pray that you would speak to us, that your word, word would not return void, but that it would uh, have impact in our lives and in our hearts and in our relationships with you and others, God. So speak to us this morning and be with us and be glorified in us as we seek you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, he never held public office. He never wrote a book. He never led an army or founded an institution. His classroom was the boat and the field. His followers, simple fishermen. Rejected and misunderstood by the majority, and his ministry lasted only a short three and a half years. But his ministry, his life, changed the world. And in John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus says this, as his time is coming to an end with his disciples, he says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So Jesus serves as our example. As the Father has sent Jesus, Jesus sends us. He's our example in his teaching, but also he's, a, he's our example in the way that he lived his life, the way that he interacted with people around him, the way that he interacted with people in his ministry. 
And that's why the Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He says this, Whoever claims to abide in Christ must walk as Jesus walked. Whoever claims to abide in Christ must walk as Jesus walked. A lot of us in this room, we claim to abide in Christ. And so how are, are we walking like Jesus walked? How are we doing with that? That these words have huge implications for us, uh, for the way we're living our lives. And as we begin to look at these implications, I want to look at two key insights from the life of Christ uh, that I think will uh, challenge us and encourage us and give us some practical ways that we can walk as Jesus walked. And so these two, two uh, insights we're going to look at today is Christ's mission and specifically the part of the mission that he has passed on to, to you and I. And then we're also going to look at the path of a growing disciple, which are represented by these chairs. The swivel has nothing to do with the illustration, just, just so you know. <laughs> so what mission did Jesus leave for his disciples and for you and I? In John chapter 15, verse 8, uh, Jesus said, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And then again, just a few verses later, he, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and your fruit should abide. It should last. So part of the mission that Jesus gave, gave his disciples and then ultimately to you and I is that we should bear fruit. That our life is not about just living, uh, but that we should be producing. Uh, and this, this fruit is supposed to to abide. It's supposed to last. It's, it, we glorify God by bearing fruit that, that affects eternity. And uh, I've heard a, a quote on evangelism that says, uh, the gospel came to you on its way to somebody else. And I just really love that. That's just that, that picture of, okay, yeah, it came to me, and now it's going on to somebody else. And I would even uh, maybe widen that and say, everything that you have received from Christ came to you on its way to somebody else. So in what context are you personally appointed by God to bear much fruit? And this fruit is supposed to last. What, what context do you regularly find yourself in? What people do you spend your time with? Uh, and what has God called and prepared for you? In what ways is he prepared for you to bear fruit? Well, the passage in Matthew 28 is especially important for us as we look at this topic. Uh, So let's turn there together. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 20 through 20. And of course, this is the Great Commission and, um, you know, probably a familiar passage to a lot of us. Uh, But as we look at at the Great Commission, we need to realize that this this is the last one of the last opportunities Jesus has with his disciples before he ascends to the Father. And so, when you have one last chance to say something to somebody that you love, what do you, what do you say? You say the most important thing. You have, one, you have one shot. And so, these words from Christ are particularly important for us to pay attention to, as they are, they're important to him. It's the last thing he wanted to communicate to his followers. So let's read this together. Matthew uh, chapter 28, starting in 18. It says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So I want, I want to read that again, and I want you, as, as I read it, uh, to count the number of commands that Christ gives to his disciples, okay? So, so let's read it again and, and be looking for uh, what, are the th- what are the things that, that Christ is, is charging his disciples to do, and ultimately us as well? And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the ends of the age. So how many, how many commands did we see in the, in the passage there? Four, three, four, five. Yeah, so th- there's a lot of, lot of different, different uh, answers. Uh, and I'm no Greek scholar, but uh, people that have studied, spent a lot of time studying this passage will tell you that there's actually only two. There's only two commands that, that come from Christ in this, in this passage. Uh, and, and they are make disciples. And the second one is often is translated surely or behold. And it has this idea of to look. So we're to make disciples and we're to look to Jesus. Those are the, the, example, uh, the commands that Christ gives to his disciples. Uh, and these, these other things that, that look like commands in the English language actually are kind of sub-commands. They're part of these two main commands that Christ is giving. So we're to go, and to make disciples, we need to initiate relationships with non-believers, just like Jesus did. We're to baptize. So to make disciples, we need to identify people with the person and work of Christ, just like Jesus did. We're to teach them to obey so to make disciples, we need to teach people to be active in obedience and service, just like Jesus did. So these, these things make up the main two of making disciples and looking to Jesus. So we can summarize the mission that Christ has, has uh, passed on to us uh, in three simple statements. One is to glorify God by bearing fruit that lasts. Two, to make disciples who make other disciples— and then three, to keep looking to Jesus. He's our example. So to glorify God by bearing fruit, make disciples who make disciples, and to look to Jesus. Before we uh, kind of move on to this path of a growing disciple and look, look at the ways that Jesus made disciples uh, and how, how can we model our lives after him, I want to just share with you a, an illustration that's been helpful for me when I think of this idea of, of making disciples. Uh, and, and that is uh, the factory, the forest, and the garden. And so the factory, oftentimes when we think of, of the mission that we have from Christ, uh, we're, like, that's easy to understand. Okay, we're supposed to, to bear fruit, and we're supposed to impact the world around us. So, uh, so we kind of organize ourselves like a factory. Now, factories are great because they're clean, they're efficient, uh, they 
are just like pumping out whatever they're making, and each each one that's created is the exact same as the other. Uh, it's it's all automated a lot of times. Uh, it's not messy. You don't have to deal with people that type of thing. Uh, and so sometimes we we think of making disciples like a factory, like um, you know we share the gospel on the street, and then uh, then we. Give, have the 10-step program of how this person becomes from unbeliever to believer. And if you follow these 10 steps, uh, you'll, you'll arrive at the destination of maturity in Christ. Uh, and the problem with that is everybody's different. Everybody's in a different place. Everybody needs uh, something different. And so when we, when we try to make disciples like a factory, people get missed and people don't move along towards maturity in Christ. So then we might say, well, uh, so factories not, doesn't really work, so maybe we should treat it like a forest, make disciples like a forest. Uh, because forests are, forests is, are great. They ha- there's a lot of life. They're beautiful. You can walk through. There's fresh air. Uh, there's th- things growing and thriving. But when we look closer at the forest, we notice that there's something called poison ivy, uh, there's, in Poland, we have something called stinging nettle, which is the worst. You walk through that and your legs are just on fire because of the, uh, you know, the poison that's on this plant. Uh, and, and actually, there's a lot of things in forests that are not good, that are not safe. Uh, and so when we, when we make disciples like a forest, we kind of say, oh, you know, like God will cause the growth and make you know, do what he wants, and it's going to flourish. Uh, but the problem is that there's weeds and things that grow up in people's lives that, um, that don't just all the time just go away without intervention of the Holy Spirit and, and God's people helping them, walking them through um, different, different things. So, uh, so it's not like a, a factory. Making disciples is not like a, a forest. Uh, and so then there's this picture of a garden, and the garden's amazing because, you know, it's organic, there's, there's life, there's fruit that's produced, which is part of the mission that we have from, from Christ. Um, but also there's some order, you know, things are planted in rows, and there's different processes that the gardener goes through in order to produce a crop. Uh, the gardener notices uh, when one plant maybe doesn't have enough water and the, the leaves are withering, and so the, the gardener comes and he can water that plant. Or maybe the plant needs protection from bugs or from deer. Uh, and so the gardener can, can provide that. But the gardener doesn't cause the growth. The gardener doesn't make the plants come up the ground. It just uh, is, is providing the atmosphere for, for the growth uh, that we see in the garden. And so we're going to look at, at five uh, interactions that Christ had with different people throughout the Gospels. Uh, and we're going to see how, uh, how Christ, as he makes disciples, he's, he's the gardener. It's his, his disciple-making is a lot like a garden. Uh, so as we look at these, these five interactions, uh, I want you to think of, of two questions. Have two questions on your mind throughout, throughout the rest of our time together. And the first one is, where am I on the path? So we're going to be looking at this path of a growing disciple. 
And we're going we're gonna to just pretend like this is, this is the path up here on the stage, okay? And so you have all the way down on this side uh, is unbelief. And so the, the pagan of the pagans are, are down here, you know? So sorry, guys. You, the pastor's over there. I don't know what that means. But so this is unbelief. And then all the way down towards maturity in Christ uh, this way. So it's kind of a, a continuum uh, from unbelief towards maturity in Christ. And we're going we're gonna to look at different interactions that Jesus has with people that are at different areas, different spaces on the path of a growing disciple. So as we're thinking about this, uh, as we're looking at these interactions, I want you to be thinking about where, where are you on this path? And then are there a few people in your life that uh, God has, has brought into your life that you can have influence on for, for Christ? And where are they on this path? And maybe what, what do they need? In what ways does Jesus interact with people that you can interact with those people that are in your life? So the, the first one that's going to be represented by this, the first chair here, we're going we're gonna to call uh, this challenge that Christ gives, uh, Come and See. Okay, so come and see. And this is found in John chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, we can, we can turn there together. And we're going we're gonna to start reading in, in verse 35. So John chapter 1, verse 35 says this. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? So Jesus is walking. John says, you know, this is, this is the Lamb of God. This is Messiah. And so these two guys start kind of following after Jesus. And he kind of senses their presence. You know, have you ever had the, like um, a hoverer? You know, that they're there. You're in a conversation, but they're kind of just hovering there. Uh, and so Jesus has this experience. These guys are just kind of following him. So he stops and says, you know, what, 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 can I help you? You know, what are you seeking? Uh, and they say, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So Jesus has this interaction. Uh, these people are kind of interested in what's, what Jesus is all about. And, and Jesus' reply is, come and see. Come, let's, let's do life together. Come see where I'm staying. Let's, let's uh, have meals together. Uh, get to know me, who I am, what I'm about. Uh, and so Jesus invites this person. And remember, this, this chair is, is towards the unbelief. So these are people that aren't following after Christ. They don't know him. But Jesus says, come, see what I'm about. Uh, so people, people in this stage that are in our lives, you know, maybe they've never heard of Christ. Or maybe they, they know that he's a historical figure, but never, never heard the gospel, never heard that uh, a life with Christ has any uh, relation to how I'm living or uh, the hope that I have. Or, you know, they haven't, uh, they haven't placed their faith in Christ. So who, who in your life is maybe at this, at this stage, you know? Um, we have a, a girl that, that we met this summer— in Poland, and so we, my wife and I, we help coordinate and oversee an English camp ministry, camps ministry, where we have, we have, we had 16 camps actually this last summer, and these camps are 
they're evangelistic in nature. Uh, so we, we, have, we teach English or music or sports, uh, and then we invite kids to come to that. And at the same time, we're also having, in the evening, talks on Scripture, from Scripture, and discussion groups. And uh, everything at camp is designed to foster relationships. So uh, as we're playing sports or as we're in class uh, or as we're on the trip day where we're on the bus ride, we're, we're engaging in spiritual conversations and sharing our faith. Uh, and so one of the things that, that's really important about this ministry is that there's people there that are in this chair, you know, that they don't know Christ. That's the whole point, one of the points of why we were organizing camp. So my wife and I this summer, we, we decided we were going to, uh, we wanted to invite kids to come to our camp and invite them to come and see. So we went to a, a high school that's in our city, and we taught in the English classes there. And uh, it's a really big draw to have uh, native speakers come. Uh, everybody's learning English from kindergarten, but they haven't had a lot of opportunities to speak with native speakers. So it's, it's really great for them to, to meet Americans and be able to speak English and practice and that type of thing. So, so we went and we taught in the English class, and then we invited kids to come to our camp. And I remember there was a girl named Susanna, and she, she, her face just lit up like, this is, this is real. Like there's a group of Americans coming to our city, and we can spend a whole week with them and talk about different things. And uh, she was just so excited. And when she came to camp, she was just observing everything. She was very engaged, but also polls are pretty reserved. So you could kind of see her like in the background, seeing what's happening. And, uh, and she was in the stage. She was coming and seeing. She was seeing what, she was meeting Christians for the first time, people that had a relationship with Christ. Uh, she was noticing that we were different, that, that God had transformed our lives. And so she, she came and saw. The next, the next chair that we have uh, in this path of a growing disciple, we're going to call Repent and Believe. And this, this is from John chapter 6. So we can flip over there. And of course, this is right after Jesus had just fed the 5,000. Uh, and then he, uh, he goes to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and the people follow him. And so then we pick it up in verse uh, 25. It says, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you, you ate your fill of the loaves. And then, so he, he kind of challenges them because they're, they enjoy being, you know, reaping the benefits of being with Jesus, but they're not really seeking eternal things. They're not really following after him. Uh, so he says in verse 27, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who has been sent. 
So Jesus challenges them, confronts them for uh, not seeking eternal things. Uh, and he says to them, once, once they ask what, what they should do, he says, rep- he says, believe, believe in him. So he says, repent, turn from your, your way uh, of seeking earthly things and, and being self-sufficient in yourself, and instead, believe. So repent and believe. Place your faith in Christ uh, for, for the forgiveness of sins. You can't do it uh, on your own. So people in our lives that are at this, at this stage, you know, maybe they have uh, grown up in the church and they've always come to, to church, you know, their parents brought them, or, um, but they've, they've never really placed their faith and made their faith their own. Uh, maybe they've, they've spent time around your family uh, and they've experienced how your life has been transformed, but they've never really uh, gotten past of, okay, yeah, that's nice for you, but I'm doing my own thing. Um, we had a guy also in our ministry. His name is, is Piotrek, uh, or Peter, and he came to our camp uh, a year and a half ago, so last summer, and he was in, he was in this chair last summer. Uh, he he was a professing, professing atheist, which is actually pretty rare in Poland. Uh, in Poland, our country is 95% Catholic, and it's very cultural. So my wife actually had a girl say one time, yes, I'm Catholic, but I don't believe in God. And you're kind of thinking, okay, that doesn't really work. But it works in Poland. That's how it is. And uh, they're, they're so intertwined that to be Polish is to be Catholic. And... Um, so, so Piotrek is saying he's an atheist. And, of course, uh, what do atheists do when, uh, when they are in a conver- you know, conversation about spiritual things and they don't really want to take part in it? Well, they, they change the subject. They make jokes. They cause trouble and that type of stuff. So that was Piotrek. Uh, and so he came, came last year. And then he came on and off all year to our youth ministry. We had youth, have youth group on Friday nights. And so uh, he, he would come every, every once in a while. He brought his brother, you know, and they have, like, shirts that have bad words on them. And, you know, but, they, but they're coming. And, you know, they're, they're coming and seeing. And, uh, and they, so they did this the whole, whole last year. And then he came back to, to English camp this last summer. And, of course, we were sharing the gospel very clearly and, and challenging kids to repent and believe. Uh, and so, so he had moved over this last year. He had come and, come and seen. You know, he had come to our camp. He had come to our youth group. Uh, we had, my wife and I had went to his accordion uh, concert. And so we spent a lot of time together. And he's, he's gotten to know, okay, that there's something different about uh, these people that are falling after Christ. And now at camp this year, he's sitting in this chair. Um, right at the, you know, if, if here's the cross and, and salvation, you know, he's like right there. Uh, he's interested. He's coming. Uh, but he, what he needed was a challenge to repent and believe. A straight gospel presentation. Uh, uh, you know, somebody to say, hey, you can't just just stay where you're at, but you need to be moving towards maturity in Christ, and that takes repenting and believing. And so 
so we gave him that challenge this summer at camp, and he accepted Christ, which is amazing. Uh, and so he's, he's now, uh, you know, following, following after God and, and knows him, has a relationship with him. Uh, so that's Piotrek in the second chair of Repent and Believe. Now we go to the third chair, and we're going to call this, this chair Follow Me. And we're going to jump right back to John chapter 1. And of course, we, we had just talked a little bit uh, earlier about this, this story where uh, Philip was actually hovering behind Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, what are you looking for? And he said, where, teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus invited him to come and see. And then just a few verses later... Uh, in chapter 1, verse 43. Actually, let's, before we read there, let's go down a little bit uh, to 45. And it says this, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see, which is interesting. Because just a few verses later, Jesus said to Philip, hey, come and see. And now Philip is going to Nathanael and saying, come and see. Look, we found the guy that, that the prophets wrote about uh, that's, that fulfills the law of Moses. And so what happened in between uh, Jesus' challenge to come and see and now Philip telling Nathanael to come and see. Well, let's read in, in verse 43. It says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. So Philip, he came and saw. He repented and believed. And now Jesus said, Philip, follow me. And uh, we, can, we can see that as uh, between the interaction of Philip and, Nath- and Nathaniel, uh, that Philip learned between that time all about Jesus. You know, that he fulfilled the law of Moses, uh, that he's the one that the prophets talked about. And so there was this time of this third chair where Philip was learning uh, the nature of Christ, who he is, uh, what he fulfills, what he's about, what's his mission, what has God called him to do. Uh, why, why did he come to the earth uh, and all of that? And so, so uh, Philip followed him, learned those things, and then he was able to go to Nathaniel and say, hey, come and see. Uh, so people, people in our lives that are at this stage, you know, uh, they need to know that uh, Christ wants our whole lives, that he's involved in our day-to-day that he wants us to seek him uh, through his word and through prayer, uh, that, he, that Christ cares for us, that we can cast our cares upon, upon the Lord for he cares, he cares for us. Um, they need to learn about who, who Christ is, why, what, he, what he did, why did he do that, uh, his nature and all of that. Um, so, and that's where Piot, Piotrek is now, that he's accepted Christ and now he's, He's in this chair of follow me and learning those things. Then the, then the fourth chair. 
Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So let's turn over uh, for this one into Luke 5. Your Bible's getting a workout this morning. So Luke, Luke chapter 5, we'll start in verse 1 here. It says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake, uh, and he, he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. So we can picture this, this scene happening. You know, Jesus is teaching in the morning. And Simon, Simon Peter, is, is there uh, cleaning his nets because he had worked all night and he caught nothing. And of course, Peter, Peter knew that, uh, because he was a fisherman, that the best time to fish was at night because the water was cooler and the fish would come to the surface. Uh, and so he could, he could you know, drop the net and, and get a catch. But in, on this particular night, he caught nothing. And so he's there in the morning, discouraged, cleaning his nets. Jesus was just teaching. And then Jesus says, hey, go, go throw your nets out. And Peter, knowing that this isn't what you do as a fisherman, but at Jesus' word, he, he obeys and does it. Let's, let's read on. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But, the, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of, of fish that they had taken. So they catch, catch fish, fish so much that their, their nets are breaking, and Peter's response is worship. That, wow, Jesus, you are so holy. Depart from me because I'm, I'm unworthy. Uh, and then Jesus responds. He responds in verse 10 by saying, uh, saying to Simon, Do not be afraid, for now on you will be catching men. So Jesus gives, not only does, does Peter know Christ and worship him and follow after him, but Jesus gives him a, a specific challenge. He says, uh, yeah, you think catching the fish was great? You're going, to, you're going to be fishing for men now. So you're going to follow me and fish for men. And that, so that's why we're, we're calling the fourth chair, uh, follow me and fish for men. And, and people in our lives at this chair, maybe they, they, they've grown a lot in their, their personal uh, maturity in Christ, uh, their knowledge of the scripture, they're following after, after the Lord uh, each day. Uh, and Christ's challenge for, the, for those people are fish for men. There's people in these other chairs that need people to help them along the path of a growing disciple. Uh, so, and as we, we talked about at the beginning, that uh, we are to glorify God by bearing much fruit. 
and fruit that lasts, fruit that affects eternity. And so, um, so that's what Jesus is challenging Peter to do and also to us, that we're fishing for men. And then the last chair, I am sending you, uh, we, which we read earlier from John 20, verse 21, where Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So remember our, our two questions that we've been discussing or thinking about this morning. The first one, so where are you on the path of a growing disciple? You know, we have a, this path up here from unbelief all the way down towards maturity. Maybe you're here in the, in the first chair. That maybe uh, you've been, been thinking like, okay, we should be going to church. You know, maybe you, you want your kids to to get something from church and uh, you're, you're just, you've thought of coming here for a long time, but, but this is the morning that you're here. And I want to say, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And also invite you to come and see. Come here often. Get to know people that are sitting around you that, um, that are here regularly. Get to know the Christians in your life. Uh, ask them questions about why their life is different. Come and see. Or maybe you're, you're here in this chair that you've, you've been coming a while. You've known some, some Christians before. You've seen how they've been different. Uh, and you've thought, you know, that, that would be awesome. That would be great if, that, if I could have something like that. But that's, that's for them and not for me. And, and Jesus' challenge to somebody in this chair is repent and believe. That it's not about you. It's not about if you deserve it or if you're good enough. Uh, but it's a free gift of, of Christ, uh, and it's accepted through faith. And so repenting, turning from your sin, and, and responding in faith in Christ. So if, that, if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to do that, to talk, to talk to one of the pastors here, to talk to somebody that brought you, and, and I want to encourage you to, to turn from, from your own ways, from your sin, and place your faith in Christ. Or maybe you're here in this, in this third chair, a follow me, and you've grown up in the church, and you know the, you know the Bible stories, and, uh, but it, it hasn't really affected your, your life, your day-to-day life. And uh, maybe you're full of anxiety, and you know, you're, just, you're just struggling. Uh, and I, w- I want to encourage you to, to follow after Christ, you know, to, to get into into scripture and get to know who he is and uh, what his desires are for you and what he thinks of you and how he loves you um, and, and have that impact permeate your life that it's not, it's not just a good story but it actually has significance and meaning on a day-to-day basis. Or maybe you're, you're in this fourth chair that you've been following after Christ for a long time. You're, you've grown. You're mature in Christ um, and, and now it's time to uh, help others along this path. Uh, I was at a, a conference a few years ago with uh, some Eastern Europeans. And I, I remember it distinctly because we were, we were at a conference and we were learning a lot from the scriptures. Uh, and this guy from Estonia, he kind of like speaks up and says, you know, I just need to, I just need to go out because I feel like I'm getting spiritually fat. You know, I just need to go out and share the gospel with somebody and, and kind of get rid of some, of some of this stuff we're taking. Because remember, everything that we've received from Christ 
came to us on the way to somebody else. And so if you're in this chair and you're fishing for men, you know, think about that. What have you received from Christ? And, and how do these people down here on, on, the, uh, on the path, a little, little bit further or not as far down the path, what do they need that you have that, that Christ has given to you? How can you help them along uh, towards the path uh, of maturity, towards maturity in Christ? So where are you on this path this morning? And then also, we were thinking of, of one or two people in, in our lives that are on this path as well. And where are they? Uh, and what has, has God uh, called you to do, asked you to do? In what ways can you bear fruit that lasts in somebody else's life? Who in your life needs a gardener? And how can you be that gardener in their life? So as we, as we close today, let's, let's remember our mission that we've received from Christ. And that is to glorify God by bearing fruit that lasts. To make disciples who make other disciples. And then always looking to Jesus as our example. As the, as the one who has made disciples, who are making disciples. His ministry has changed the world uh, because, because of the way that he's uh, made disciples, and um, always looking to him as our, as our example and as our authority, as our help. He's with us always, even to the ends of the age, is what, is what, is what his word says. Um, so let's, let's pray together. Father God, thank you that... Uh, you have set out an example for us uh, in your Son that not only can we uh, have a relationship with you and be saved and renewed uh, through your Son and through his death and resurrection, and, and, but also we can live like him, that just like you had sent your Son, Jesus has sent us. We praise you for that. We're thankful that we can join you in your mission and join you in what you're doing. That is a privilege that we're extremely grateful for. And we, we confess and recognize this morning that that's only by your grace that allows us to do that. So God, I pray for us as we leave this place and uh, go out and interact with people along this path. God, I pray that you give us wisdom uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead us and guide us to, to what each individual needs. Just like a gardener knows his plants and cares for the plants each individually, I pray that we can also care for those people that are in our lives uh, to bring them along towards maturity in you in a way that they need, specific, the way that you're leading in, in their life, God, that you would use us in those ways. Uh, God, so we pray and we thank you for this time that we could gather together and ask that you be glorified in us as, as we make disciples who make disciples, as we bear fruit, that our fruit would last uh, forever and ever for your glory and your purposes. Amen.